The Free Bundle presents Through the Gates of Madness, written by Javier Cabrera, with Alexander Ross as Walter Gibson and Professor Braun, Ella Moran as Helen Finch, Jared Clegg as Major Matheson, and Shane Chuntos Popko as Soldier. For more free fantasy and science fiction, visit thefreebundle.com. journalist from the Wednesday Evening Post, sir. Thanks, Private. Mr. Gibson, please come in. It's freezing out there. Take your time. I hope my men didn't wake you. Well, they did. They also woke my wife, my kids, my dog, and my entire neighborhood with that damn helicopter you sent to my house. Excuse me, sir. What is this about, anyway? Uh, just a moment. I'll be right back with you, Mr. Gibson. Well, wait a minute now. Excuse me? Hey! Oh, sure, walk away. Why would you care about my constitutional rights? Gibson? Oh, crap. And here I was thinking they were going to have me handle the broadcast. Helen? What are you doing here? I was about to ask you the same. When did they call you? Call me? Helen, I don't even know where we are. Quit playing, Walter. Where did you find a pilot crazy enough to fly this far into the South Pole anyway? Did... did you just say the South Pole? Wait. You're not kidding. No! <laughs> I'm not, goddammit! I was snatched out of bed and tossed into a helicopter in the middle of the night. I've been dragged around so long from base to base, I don't even know what day of the week it is. And now you're telling me we're in the freaking South Pole? You might want to talk to the Major. Here he comes. Just trust me. You want to be here. Trust me. I don't. Mr. Gibson, Major Matheson. Pleased to meet you. Sorry to keep you waiting. As you can see, it's a nut house in here. We're just getting ready to get started. With what? Could someone please explain to me what's going on? Oh, look around. I'm sure you recognize some of the faces here. <sighs> Some, yeah, that's the chief of staff over there, next to Gloria Scott from the UN Security Council. That's, uh, that's Mark Roberts, John Stewart, and Theresa Russell. Funny, I thought we paid these people to be in Congress. Walter. Hey, I'm not complaining. The more time they spend away from Congress, the less harm they'll do. We also have representatives from the Chinese government, Canada, France, and six other nations. Like us, they brought in their best scientists and academics, all but Russia. They said they wanted to wait for the president's announcement. Well, it aired a moment ago, so... Oh, that would be them. Excuse me. Private! Sir? Let it ring. Yes, sir. I'm, I'm sorry. M Major, is it? Yes. I still don't follow what's going on. You've been brought here because of your work as a radio broadcaster, Mr. Gibson. Same goes for uh, Miss Flinch here. People recognize you. They trust your voice. That said, and I want to make this clear, it was not my idea to have you here. For up to me, you two be as far as possible from this place. But the president's advisors thought it would be best if we handle the broadcast ourselves to avoid hysteria and mass panic among the population. <laughs> Sorry, I... Mass panic? Mr. Gibson, uh, you might want to sit down to hear this. This is KKRTB Radio News on the Hour. 
Broadcasting in partnership with the National Public Radio, the British Radio Service, and the Canadian Public Radio Broadcasting Signal. It is 10 o'clock, and good morning. This is Helen Flinch, and we have a somewhat unusual coverage today. From the South Pole. Yes, we are in the South Pole, ladies and gentlemen. Walter Gibson from the Wednesday Evening Post will be joining us shortly regarding the recent announcement made by the President this morning. We have Major R. Matheson from the United States Army with us. Uh, Good morning. Major, for those who are just tuning in, could we go over the President's announcement? His whole speech felt like taken out from a science fiction movie. No doubt, but the fact remains it is true. These events did happen and are very real. The next few hours are crucial and will require an open mind from everyone, especially from those who work in the media. Absolutely. As the president said, four months ago, a group of researchers from the Amundsen Scott Station here in the South Pole discovered a very peculiar object while surveying the area for deep ice drilling. It doesn't appear to show in any of our satellites and has no historical precedence. It cannot be recorded or photographed either. As far as scientists have been able to determine, the object can only be seen with the naked eye. At first sight, it appears to be a regular-sized wooden door. Like an office door, right? That's correct. It resembles a regular 80 per 24 inches office door of the kind we can find almost anywhere. It has a brass ball knob with a lock and possesses no other structural abnormalities other than the fact that it stands vertically in the middle of the snow without visible support of any kind. Right, and as we understand it, this door, this uh, office door, is standing in the middle of the snow here in the South Pole, as you've said. Yes. But, uh, it opens into a narrow stone passage, I'm quoting directly from the President's announcement here, that ends on a corner to the left. This passage, this hallway, is only visible by standing in front of the door. Yes. The hallway doesn't appear visible when looking at the door from any of the sides or the back. It can only be seen when standing directly in front of it. That is... (laughs) strange. Very. And uh, the president said that this door was analyzed and found to have been manufactured in China? Yes. Our scientists, along with the scientists of other nations, have concluded that the door was made two years ago in a Chinese factory in Shandong, five hours from Beijing. And... Did the Chinese say anything? The Chinese government is fully involved in this investigation. They have been great. They have been very cooperative. They have even flown one of the factory's engineers here to help us analyze the door. Unfortunately, neither the engineer nor anyone in the factory has any idea of how the door got to the middle of the South Pole in the first place, how it stands on its own, or why it's doing what it does. In his announcement, the president also mentioned a sign written in English. That's right. There is a sign glued on the front of the door. We have been able to determine that the sign is composed out of recycled paper, it is written on with regular ink, and it is in English, like the president said. The sign reads, Keep this closed at all times, in big bold letters. Naturally, the group of researchers who first came across the door ignored the sign and opened it. And found this strange stone passage. Correct. Was the door locked or simply closed? Nope, the door was locked. Is the lock somehow different from the ones we know? Not at all. It is just a regular locking mechanism found in these types of doors. But did they have a key or... Nope. Obviously, when the door was first discovered, the researchers did not have a key. 
We have one now after contacting the factory and the Chinese government. And how did they get it unlocked without a key? They used a credit card. This is all very strange. Major, I'm told one of the researchers walked inside the door and through the passage. Is that correct? Yes, Dr. Alexander Grant from the University of Harvard. He was leading the group of researchers composed of, uh, uh, well, I don't have the names right here in front of me. Oh, wait, I have them. Uh, Dr. Jeffrey Clark, also from the University of Harvard, Julia Nichols, one of the ice drilling specialists from this station, and Dr. Charles Horton from the University of Georgia. Uh, that's right. At approximately 1738 of November 6, around 20 minutes after having been the person who first spotted the door, Dr. Grant decided to open it and walk inside. Unfortunately to us and his colleagues and his family, Dr. Grant has not yet returned, and his whereabouts are, as of this time, unknown. So... He just disappeared? Nope, that, that's not what I said. He reached the end of the passage, turned to the left, and we haven't yet been able to contact him since. He certainly did not disappear. He must be alive, we hope, somewhere. Is it true that he said something to the other researchers right after he reached the end of the passage? Uh, yes. When he turned around the corner, Dr. Grant invited the others to follow him. Thankfully, the group voted to decline and communicate their findings to the station instead. Otherwise, there would probably be no record of any of this. I have a statement here that says Dr. Grant said, Oh, guys, you have to see this. Uh, we do not have sufficient information to cooperate or deny that statement. The president said his administration wants to make every piece of information available yes, to the public. Yes, I understand. This was taken directly from one of the declarations of the four researchers who first came across the door. I'm not making stuff up here. I understand, and that's the president's decision. However, at the moment, we don't really have sufficient information about what Dr. Grant said when the other researchers lost visual contact with him. It was very windy, it was very loud, and it was very... Oh, come on. Now, wait, wait, wait a moment now. Those listening to this may not realize, but you've been out there. You know what it's like, right? Yes, it's very windy. That's right, it is very windy. One has to yell even to listen to one's own voice. Now, the truth is, some of the researchers say they heard what you just said. Guys, come in. You have to see this. Correct. Others say they didn't hear him say anything. That is also in the statements you were given. So, we can't be 100% sure about what really happened, right? That is why we're about to send a team of experts. We want to find out what the deal is with this door and bring Dr. Grant back. Yes, they are uh, Dr. Stephen Schwartz from the University of Denmark, Dr. Kazim Sanchez from the United Nations Security Council, Professor Zaid Para from the University of New Delhi, Professor Andrea Larson from the University of California, uh, Dr. Owen Nichols from the World Health Organization, and a group of 12 members of the Army Forces whose names we are not allowed to read. That is right. The reason is because some of these men are military personnel from other nations. Their job will be to assist and escort the group. Will they be armed, Major? Yes, they will be armed. Every security measure is being taken into account for this operation. That is our purpose here, to guarantee the safe return of our exploration team. Talking of which, I'm being told that Walter Gibson from the Wednesday Evening Post is on the line. Walter will be the only member of the press allowed to join the team of researchers. Hello, Walter. Can you hear us? Helen? I can barely hear you. Sorry, Walter? Uh, we didn't, we didn't catch that. Are you still there? I, I can hear you, but very low. Uh, we, we apologize for that. We seem to be experiencing some technical difficulties. Walter, we will be right back to you. Please, folks, bear with us as we try to get this sorted out. 
You will understand the conditions for this broadcast are not precisely the best here. Uh, I have to go now, Miss Flint. We are about to begin. Please excuse me. Of course. Thank you for your time. That was Major Matheson with us just now. We have Professor Albert Brown from the University of Cambridge here with us. Uh, good morning, Professor. Morning. Professor, what can you tell us about this door? That is one big mystery for stars. It has us all bewildered. I've spoken with 30 different colleagues from all parts of the world, Miss Flinch. On the only thing that they all agree on is that even if we find nothing at the other end of that hallway, its very existence is already one of the most exceptional findings in the history of mankind. But how do you think it even got here in the middle of nowhere? What's its purpose? Who left it there? Why, its purpose is to make us wonder, of course. Man has an unhealthy habit of believing nothing can surprise him every thousand years. He has seen and cataloged every single animal and rock under the sun. Yes, there are things he cannot understand. Microorganisms that still escape his most advanced lenses. Galaxies far away he has yet to discover, travel to, and colonize. All with the purpose of giving everything new and strange a name so that he can be accustomed to life again and nothing surprises him. It seems to me that the mere purpose of science for the last 300 years has merely been to avoid the exercise of man's most notable quality, wonder. We think of ourselves as the ultimate marvel of creation every chance we get, despite the fact that it has been proved immeasurable times we are only part of it, and not a very significant one. This door is here to prove us and our distinguished politicians that our place in this universe is of mere spectators not protagonists. Do you think there is any danger for the group that is getting ready to explore what's behind this door? I would say so, especially with that awful sign. But we have no way of knowing if the person who left the sign is the same as who left us the door. It could also come from someone who came across the door before us and got scared of what is behind. Uh, but the door was locked. It was. But we must also consider the reality that if a door can be opened with a regular credit card, as this one can, it may also be possible to lock it by employing the same cleverness if one does not possess the key. We must, of course, even speculate that the- I I'm, I'm sorry, Professor. I'm being told our communication with Walter Gibson is ready now. Walter, can you hear me? Well, much better than a while ago, Helen. Good morning, everyone. Morning. Walter, I'm here with Professor Brown from the University of Cambridge. It is my pleasure to make your acquaintance, Mr. Gibson. And may I say, I wish you and the men and women who are going to cross the threshold into the unknown, Godspeed and a safe return. Well, thank you, Professor. Thank you. And very nice to meet you, too. Helen, they, they tell me we are about to get started any second now over here. Walter, you have been a war correspondent in Syria and Iraq, twice in Iraq. 
how would you say the preparation for this compares with what you've experienced during those conflicts? Security is tighter here, there's no doubt about that. Uh, when we headed out, I'm talking, of course, of Leo Oliver and Pete Brown, Basil... Lascaris. Basil Lascaris. And all the other guys from the Wednesday Evening Post with whom I covered Syria. Our security was handled by a combination of our own government and local contractors. So you pretty much knew what to expect in terms of protocol. Yes, of course. But here we have like six other governments cooperating with our own. And they are all sending their people. We have soldiers from Israel, China, England, Argentina. I mean, it's, it's a combination of the best of the best here. The other difference is that this is not a convoy. We are not going to be inside an armored vehicle. We're going on foot. So there are extra precautions because of that. And personally? Personally? <laughs> well, I've done this enough times to know that if you don't get nervous about it, you better stay. Now, now wait, Helen, it, it seems that we're about to get started. All right, Walter, you have the priority, so please, go ahead. Now we're stepping into the suit speed that will take us to the door now. Walter, excuse me, while you get there, for those listening, can you describe what a SUSV is? Oh, yes, sorry. A SUSV is like a truck. Well, not like a truck, it's, it's an all-terrain track vehicle. It was made by the Swedish Army for deep snow operations. Right, so, uh, what does it look like? Well, it's kind of like a mix between a truck and a small tank, uh, but with a rear car. This beast is almost 10,000 pounds and can carry up to 17 passengers through the worst weather conditions. It is of the same type the researchers of the Asmund and Scott station In fact, this one is the exact same model the researchers were driving when they found the door. Uh, though this is an army-issued version, so it's much more efficient than theirs. Wow, impressive. Uh, it's like a tank then, like a small tank. Well, that's right. Besides dogs, this is the only way to get where we're going. Let's remember our listeners, Walter. Uh, we are in the South Pole. The current temperature here is minus 74 degrees Fahrenheit, and it gets even lower with the wind, so it's impossible to use planes or helicopters. Absolutely. Engines freeze at these temperatures, and you can get stranded very easily, even in these types of vehicles. I mean, we have the heat on in here, and I'm wearing special protective gear, and I've got to be honest with you, I'm freezing. It's crazy. We can imagine, yeah. We had to use a torch on the door's hinges to get them to open. A small portable gas torch. Uh, they were almost sealed because of the cold. This is as cold as it gets. It sure is. We're indoors, but we can feel it too. Temperatures here are far colder than what we are used to, even those of us who lived in Canada. Oh, excuse me, Helen. Being told we're not very far, me a second. What? Oh, yeah. I think I can see it. We're about to reach. Yes, yes, I see it. I, I see the door. It, it's, it's standing in the middle of nothing, like like the president said. Is it closed? Give me a moment. We're, we're turning. One of the other trucks got in the middle now, and yes, yes, it's closed. I see the sign. I can't read it yet. We're not that close. There's a hell of a strong blizzard. But I, I see it, and it's, it's closed, and... Uh, all right, here, we're getting off, Helen. If, if that's okay, I will come back to you when we're ready to enter. We have to get the gear off the truck. Please do. Thank you, Walter. That was Walter Gibson from the Wednesday Evening Post. We are broadcasting live from the South Pole in exclusive 
where this mysterious door that has the world's scientific community puzzled has popped up out of nowhere, apparently. Professor, uh, we have seen scientists from China, the United States, Switzerland, Argentina, almost every nation. Yes. What do you think... Uh, well, it's obviously impossible for you to know, but what is the theory among the scientists here about what the team will find once they get through the door? Well, the most certain finding will be new germs and bacteria. That is why those who will be making history by walking through that door will be forced to wear special suits. The same type they use in laboratories, right? Uh, no, no, no. Those are pressurized suits. The ones that they will be using are commonly referred to as hazmat suits. They have a self-contained breathing apparatus and provide total encapsulation of the individual. Uh, there was a sort of political discussion for a moment here about what type of suit they would be wearing. Very heated. Really? Yes, I'm going to restrain myself from commenting on the details, not so much because it's a matter of public health, but to protect the self-esteem of some of my colleagues, especially the younger ones. It seems to me that some of the countries we see here today have an obligation to update their norms on what their public health professionals should consider appropriate when facing hazardous biological agents. Maybe if they do, one day they can also join the rest of us who do live in the 21st century. But uh, was a consensus reached on what the team should wear? More like a compromise for some, but yes. A certain tension is inevitable, of course, especially when so many politicians have nothing to occupy their time with. Let me tell you, my proposal of having a separate table with puzzles for age 4 to 12 was not seen so harsh by the rest of the scientific community once some of their leaders became involved in the discussion. But eventually, an agreement that will allow the team to explore whatever wonders await us beyond that door was reached. Uh, excuse me, Professor. We have Walter Gibson on the line. He's live and about to enter the door. Walter, can you listen to me? I hear you perfectly. We're all geared up now and moving towards the door. Okay, we're stopping now. The team leader is instructing one of the soldiers to open the door and... I see the sign now. It clearly says, keep this closed at all times. He's turning the knob now. All right, the door is open. Wow. Just wow. Walter, what do you see? <laughs> it, it looks like a narrow hallway. It's, it's actually a few inches narrower than the door. It must be around... Oh, 20 inches or so. I'm still getting there. Okay, I'm standing right in front of it, the door now. It definitely looks like your regular everyday office door. There's nothing surprising about that. The hallway inside is made out of a sort of greenish stone. It extends for about 50 feet or so from where I am in a, in a straight line and ends at a sharp left turn. There's nothing else in there, at least nothing I can see from here. I'm, I'm moving to the right side of the door now, and... Wow, wow, this is... This is in... 
incredible. Okay. I can't see the hallway if I stand at the side of the door. There's nothing there. But as I start moving back to where I was, yes, I can see the hallway there. There's inside the door. This is, this, this is crazy. I, I'm sorry. There are no words to describe how it feels to see something like this happen right before your eyes. It, it looks like a Vegas magic trick or something. That sounds astonishing, Walter. Uh, what if you look at it from the other side, from the back side? Can you do that? Okay, moving now. Nothing. I see nothing. The, the door is here. I can see it. I can see the frame. I can see the door open. With the sign, the researchers getting their gear ready. The soldiers checking their guns. I see my own footsteps on the snow, but I, I can't see what I was seeing just a moment ago. I can't even walk around it and, and nothing. It's incredible. There, there's nothing here, Helen. We are all thrilled in here, Walter. Wait a minute. One of the researchers is throwing a snowball. Nothing. Nothing is coming in from the other side. Let me go back. All right, as I start walking again towards where I was, the, the moment the front of the door enters my line of sight, I, I can see the stones are there, and, and there it is. I see the hallway again, and the snowball. That is incredible. Incredible? I would say it's beyond incredible. That experiment alone redefines the very basis of physics as we know it. We're moving in, Helen. The first group is already walking through the door. Moving through the hallway. No one's coming through the other side, but I definitely see them walking through the hallway. Okay, it's, it's our turn now. Walter, you have the floor. Helen, we are inside. It's warm in here, Jesus. Okay, I'm I'm walking through the hallway now. The walls are carved out of stone. The same goes for the floor and the ceiling. As we move away from the door, it, it gets dark. I'm turning my flashlight on now. Hey, watch the floor. Watch it. Okay. In this section, it looks as if the walls were wet somehow. There's, there's condensation. This is Professor Braun. What temperature do you have there? Yes, my instruments say... 22 Celsius? Why, that's around... 71 degrees Fahrenheit! Astonishing! Remarkable! Simply remarkable! One would expect a slight temperature drop because of the stone walls. But this, the only possible explanation we are left with, is that this door exists in a totally different space and time than ours. We're moving towards the end of the hallway. Reaching the corner now, I'm turning. Okay, so I, I turn the corner and the passage continues for another 30 feet or so. It ends in another corner, this time towards the opposite side, towards the right. Mr. Gibson, prone here. Yes, Professor, I, I hear you. Is there any indication of what Dr. Grant could have seen? Not really, but, but hold on, I'm just about to turn the corner. I'm turning now and... Oh, wow. Oh, Jesus, what is this? How is this even here? Walter? Tell us what you see. I... It's... It's hard to describe, but, but we are in a, a somewhat large hall. A lobby. Um, it, it must be, well... 
I'm not sure how large it is, but one of the researchers is taking measurements now, and uh, there are three lifts here. I'm sorry, Walter. Did you say lifts? That's right, three of them. And there's some illumination, too. Two fluorescent tubes on each of the opposite walls. They're not very bright, but we, we do have flashlights. Uh, the floor walls changed. They're not that greenish stone we just came through. They look more like concrete. Yes, yes, they are definitely concrete. It looks unfinished, even. One of the lifts... <laughs> this is this is unbelievable. One of the lifts has a sign that says, Out of Order. As in, broken? It must be, yeah. This gets weirder and weirder. Walter! Brown here! Yes, Professor? What can you tell us about the elevators? Are they are they similar to the door? No, no. They're, they're the cage type one would see back in the 50s. I can see the elevator shaft from here, but I, I can't see how many floors there are because the soldiers in charge of security here are making sure things are safe for us. So we've, we've moved back a little bit to give them space. Yes, Walter. Please be careful. I do see counterweights of both elevators from where we are. So I, I guess we're on the top floor of whatever this place is. Uh, the researchers are now debating with security about whether to call a lift. Seems like it might take a while. In, in the meantime, I will describe the lift that is already here. The one that's out of order. Please do. It's your typical late 50s or early 60s elevator. Similar to what you would find in any bank or office building in New York back in those days. A wooden interior, bronze decorations, and, and light fixtures on the walls. It's a manual elevator, and we can see a, we can see a lever from here. Okay. The researchers are calling one of the elevators. We're waiting. The cables from the counterweight of the left elevator are moving. Oh, and there goes the counterweight. There it is! The elevator arrived. This is the craziest thing I've ever seen. We're about to take an elevator in the middle of the South Pole. One of the soldiers is opening the gate. Is the elevator empty, Walter? Yes, it, it arrived empty. Security is checking to see if we can use it. Thumbs up, we're, we're moving in. Careful, Walter. Wait a second. There's a problem. I will be... What's that? Something's happened? D did he say something? Now let's be patient, dear. They are with the best our armed forces have to offer. Huh. Well, now that I think about it, that... That doesn't pose much comfort. Okay, we're good to go now. Entering the elevator. What was the problem? Oh, they're making us leave some of our equipment up here. The elevator has a small brass sign that reads 1,500 pound weight capacity. We will still be able to broadcast, but I'm not sure for how long or how clearly you will be able to hear me. You scared us for a moment there, Walter. Sorry about that. The last researcher is now getting into the elevator. The soldiers will be taking the front part, and it will be a soldier controlling the lever. All right, we are we're getting ready to go down. We're going down now. It, it moves very smoothly, very slow, and we're looking at the same type of greenish stone wall we saw in the hallway entrance. 
One of the researchers is pointing out the temperature is quickly rising. 30 degrees Celsius, 32, 35, 40. That's around 90. 100 degrees Fahrenheit. It is really hot here. Okay, that's enough. We're going back. Yes, yeah, we're, we're going back. Yes, I was going to suggest that. Safety comes first. We wouldn't mind continuing, but it's, it's getting too hot in here. We don't have the gear to go very far anyway. The place is huge, though. It just keeps going and going. Absolutely. And you know what? Whatever that place is, it's obviously new to us, to everyone. It will take scientists time to explore and understand. Agreed. We shouldn't hurry the process. We have time. Exactly. It is best if every precaution is taken into account before going any further, for everyone's safety. We don't know why that door is there, how long it's been there, what does it mean, who left it, or... Okay, wait, Helen. It stopped. The elevator just stopped. It looks like the manual clank is not working. Is it broken? Don't tell me it broke. Nobody touched anything, but, but it's possible. We may very well be stuck here for a while. Wait. Moving. We're going down again. The soldiers are trying. No, it's, it's not stopping. The lever is not working. We keep going down. Okay, try to stay calm, Walter. I'm being told there's a rescue team already leaving the station here. It's getting too damn hot. Excuse me. There's a noise, this noise, I... Here, I'll, I'll get the microphone closer to the elevator shaft. Jesus, it sounds like... We have to get out of here. We have to get out now. My damn suit is melting. Where is this thing taking us? Jesus, oh no. I need to get out. I need to get out. Walter. Walter, do you hear us? Walter, come in. We, we can't listen to you. Walter. Can we can we get him back? What did he say? He said it was getting hot. Did you did you hear those screams? Jesus. I'm sorry about that. We are still trying to determine what just happened. Uh, apparently, the team encountered a malfunction while using this strange elevator. That that did sound like screams. Hundreds of screams. Could it could it be that? No, that. That's impossible. Excuse me, Professor. We're getting an emergency cable. Uh, I'll, I'll read it on the air. Uh, the cable says... I don't... Uh, is this a joke? What is that sound? What is happening? What's going on? Professor, please, follow oh, me. What is happening? 